The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. called Songs of Christmas, and we're, so we're, we're looking at these songs, and we're taking the, the themes out of the songs, and we're looking at them from a biblical perspective. So last week, we started by talking about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and we had a lot of fun with that, didn't we? And we talked about how Rudolph was this reindeer that had this, this thing that he considered to be a weakness. He considered to be something that was a problem, but that there came a time in his life when Santa came to him, and Santa said, Will you take that thing that you consider to be a weakness and will you use it to light the way for me, to light the way for the other reindeer, and to light the way for the world so that the world can experience Christmas? And and Rudolph, as you know, he did it, and he became the most famous reindeer of all. And we talked about how God kind of asks us to do the same thing. We all have areas of our life where we're weak. We all have areas of our life where maybe we struggle from time to time. And what God wants to do is he wants to empower us in those areas. He's not just asking us to use those areas. He's asking us to allow him to empower those areas so that he can use them to light the world up. And what Paul said, when we talked about this last week, Paul said that he went to God with his weakness. And God said, where you are weak, I am strong. Where my power works best in your weakness. And so one of the things we have to do as as people is we need to, instead of trying to hide away our weaknesses, instead of being you know, afraid of what our weakness is, if they get exposed, instead of that, we need to own our weaknesses. We need to allow God to empower them. We need to surround ourselves with the right kind of people so that God can use those weaknesses to build the kingdom of God. Next week, uh, we're going ha- to talk about the song, All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth. And I know you're maybe wondering, what are you going to do with that? Well, you will see, okay? So make sure you're back here. But today, I want to talk about a song uh, that is a very famous Christmas song, and it's sung by a very famous singer, and it's a, it's a fun song, but it's also a very sad song, in a way, and we're going we're gonna to dig into this today, and of course, we're, I'm talking about the song Blue Christmas, sung by the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley. Anybody familiar with this song? Yeah, a few of you. Well, we had a lot of fun introducing last week's song, did we not? And I thought, you know, when, you're, when something works, why not, Right? So I was thinking this week, what can we do? <laughs> Jake's up here going, oh God. I was thinking this week, what can we do to make this fun? And so I started thinking, okay, what happens at Christmas time? What are the different kind of, and I, and I got, it just hit me, karaoke, right? <laughs> karaoke. You go to Christmas parties and people do karaoke and, and, and you know, it happened. Your kids sing karaoke in the house and it just, so I, here's what I want to do today. I want to do a little Christmas karaoke this morning. And I thought since we're a church, We should do a Christmas karaoke choir this morning. So here's what I need. I need three men and three women to help me sing Blue Christmas this morning, all right? So if you're here today and you know the song Blue Christmas, would you, well, wait, let's let's do this first. First of all, I want to stack the deck a little bit here because I don't want this to be the worst song ever, all right? So I'm going to invite a couple people from our worship team up here that don't really know this is getting ready to happen, but I'm going to go ahead and invite David Terry to come back up here and help us. David, are you in here today? David, Terry? He left. He ditched us. Really? Okay. Well, uh, Aubrey, are you in here, Aubrey? Aubrey. Come on up here, sweetheart. I know you're excited about this. And then I'm going to invite another guy up here. This guy, uh, last week, um, 
he, I heard he was talking a little bit of trash about our, our man Jake, who got up here and played the Jingle Bells, which, how about Jake last week on Jingle Bells? But, but I heard there was somebody that was kind of talking trash and saying that, like, Jake didn't own the moment like he could have. And so I thought, well, you know, this guy wants to own the moment. I'm going to give him a chance to. So, Paul Brown, would you please come on up here and help us out? Come on up here. Now, you guys are going to kind of position yourself right over here. Yes. Okay. Uh, I need, so I need, um, I need a couple more guys. Who, who else? Any volunteers? Anybody volunteer to do this? Really? really? You're not going to volunteer to do this? Okay. Well, if you guys aren't going to volunteer, I'll just randomly pick somebody. KJ, come on up here, buddy. All right. How about some girls? Any girls want to help out? Volunteer? Hey, Tiffany, are you waving your, you, you want to come up? Go ahead. <laughs> Tiffany, come on. She's down there. She's, yeah, come on up. It'll be great. You're going to do a great job, Tiffany. All right, so we got two girls, we got two guys. I'm gonna, any more girls want to volunteer? Okay, I'm going to go random again because you guys are randomly punky right there. There you go. Come on up here. Come on, punky. There's no getting out of this. It's going to happen, all right? And I tell you what, let's honor the patriarch of New Song this morning by inviting my father to come on up and be a part of this. So come on up, Dad. All right, now I got some gear for you guys this morning. And David, I, I just saw David come running in. Where's David? Since he's late, we're going to give him a special task this morning. Okay, so girls, I got you these little hats you can wear. So you can throw those on. Yeah, there you go. That'll be fun. And then guys, of course, you know, you need some little hats too. So there you go with those. Here you go, Dad. Are you excited about this? All right. I, think, I know you know the song, I'm pretty sure. The hats are a little small, but make it, make it work. All right, and then I got jingle bells for everybody. There you go, jingle bells. Everybody doing good? Yeah, there you go. There you go, Dad, looking good. All right, and then uh, what, you know, I was thinking last week, after what, after what, after what Jake did, I just kind of couldn't help but think, if Jake is so good with jingle bells, I wonder what the dude could do with a cowbell. Because, you know, most songs need more cowbell, Right? But I'm going to give you a break this week, Jake, okay? I'm going to let David run the cowbell this morning. Now, yeah. now remember, dude, you've got to be tasty with this. Yes. Don't overdo it. But explore the space, all right? Explore the room. Okay, so, so we're going to go. Um, now, now, understand, this is, this, is, uh, this is crazy what we're doing right now. This is uh, typical North American karaoke rules we're going to go by here. So you guys are involved, too. I want you to play a part in this. There's a part in this song... That goes, there's an ooh part that the girls sing. You, you recognize it goes ooh, so that's your job this morning. You guys are going to sing the oohs, okay? So you, you can follow along. You'll get the feel of it as it gets going. You guys ready to do this? Are you guys feeling good? Yes. Yes, okay. So Casey, do you got my, my video ready? Uh, you'll just follow along. Everybody, it'll be up here on the screen. Follow along. Okay, take it away. <laughs> Come on everybody. I need more. There you go. Go. 
on, Paul. You said you said you'd do more. Own it. Own this moment. Everybody, here we go. Come on. Let's give them a big hand, church. Thank you, guys. If you would, kind of drop your gear off in my box here, and you guys can, can go. You did a very mediocre job. Thank you for that. <laughs> it's okay. It's Thank okay. you. Thank you very much. There you go, Paul. Thank you, sir. Not quite sure how to transition out of that. Uh, but if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. We're going to look at a story this morning uh, that was a very blue story. Someone who was dealing with some real sadness. You know, it's interesting. This song, Blue Christmas, when it came out in 1957, when Elvis released it, it immediately went to the top of the charts and became a number one hit, uh, mainly for a couple of reasons. One, it was a song that Elvis sang, and everything Elvis pretty much released became a hit. But also, it, it, it struck a chord with people because it spoke to, to how people were feeling. You know, Christmas is a time of the year that we're supposed to be holly jolly and happy and, you know, be full of joy and all this stuff. And yet, a lot of people are experiencing sadness and pain and and hurt. And, and this song kind of spoke to that. You know, Christmas is interesting in that Christmas is kind of like a magnifying glass. Christmas doesn't make things bad in your life, but if things are bad, when Christmas rolls around, it's like it magnifies it. it like, because you look around and you see everybody else seems to be doing all right, but I'm not. And, and that's what this song kind of spoke to, this, this idea that, you know, everybody else seems to be doing pretty good, but I'm not doing so good. I'm not doing so hot. And, and so let's, let's look at the lyrics. Casey, do you have the lyrics for me this morning? You don't have the lyrics? That's disappointing is what that is. Okay, well, I'll, I'll just read you the lyrics this morning. It says, Blue Christmas. It says, I'll have a blue, or in other words, a sad Christmas without you. I'll be so blue just thinking about you. Decorations of red on a green Christmas tree won't be the same, dear, if you're not here with me. And when those blue snowflakes start falling, that's when those blue memories start calling. You'll be doing all right with your Christmas of white, but I'll have a blue, 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 blue Christmas. And the idea here is that, that someone is missing, something is not as it should be, and because of that, nothing feels right, right? That, that there's one thing off, and because that one thing is off, even though everyone else, you know, is doing all right with their Christmas or white, you're having a blue Christmas, you're having a sad Christmas. It's interesting because that color blue, you know, when you, you hear the word blue, you, you think of sadness. In the culture that we live in today, blue is kind of associated with sadness. There's a whole genre of music called the blues that's, that's kind of a sad kind of music where you sing about how bad things are. And I actually looked it up this week, that term, the blues, comes from a term, a term from years and years ago where people used to say that, that someone would have a case of the blue devils. And what that meant was they had a spirit of oppression, a spirit of, of sadness upon themselves. And so people would say, man, that person's got a case of the blue devils. And they shortened it to say that person has the blues. 
Maybe you've heard of, of a thing called Blue Monday before. Anybody ever heard of Blue Monday before? Okay, I hadn't either. And, and there's this thing, though, and, and I read this whole article about this, this thing called Blue Monday that exists, and, and it's supposed to be the saddest day of the year. And it happens kind of in, in January, and it changes from year to year. But, but science, scientists actually say that this is the saddest day of the year, that there's a combination of things that all hit in, on this date in January that cause it to be to be so sad. And, and here's kind of the scientific formula for this. Let me find it real quick. Okay, it's number one, it's the weather. Because in January, you know, the weather gets kind of gray and kind of gloomy and kind of cold and spring is, has not, is gone and, that, you know, it's kind of sad in that sense. It's time since Christmas. So Christmas is over and you're kind of moving into, you know, the cold winter months. It's, uh, it's also a combination of debt from Christmas because now all the bills from all the stuff that you paid are starting to come in and you're realizing that you're maybe a little behind there. Um, it's also time since failure to give something up. Or in other words, you've already failed in your New Year's resolution by this point. So you're feeling blue over that. And then low motivational level. And all of those things, you, you take all those things, put them together. They kind of all hit at this certain date. And it equals this day called Blue Monday, which this year is January 18th. Now, I'm telling you, don't subscribe to that. It's crazy. I read this report and it said, it was basically saying, like, America's really bought into this. I was like, what a horrible thing to buy into. January 18th, man, today's going to be horrible. Yay. Right? Like, who wants that? Don't, don't set your faith for that, okay? But there's this idea there that blue is a bad deal. We don't want, we don't want to be blue. We don't want to be sad. Blue, blue, we don't want that. And, and I don't know where you may be today. Maybe you're facing some stuff today. Maybe someone in your life is missing and it's caused you to feel sad. Maybe someone in your life passed away this year. Someone, someone died and they're gone. Uh, maybe someone has let you down. Someone's disappointed you. Maybe someone is, it has moved away. A friend has moved away to a different city. Maybe you, you know somebody in the military. They've been deployed to another city. Maybe you've suffered a divorce this year. Uh, maybe you got some bad news from a doctor Maybe you were going after a job and a promotion within a job and you didn't get that promotion or maybe a job, just a, a, a whole job that you were going after and you didn't get the job. Um, I, I don't know what it may be that you're, you're dealing with this year. I don't know what you may be facing. I don't know if it's something that someone else has caused or if it's something that you've caused. You know, maybe there's something in, in, in last year at this time you were thinking, man, by next Christmas, things are going to be different. By next Christmas, this will be changed and and. and Maybe it's having a baby, maybe whatever that may be, and here you are back another Christmas and things haven't changed and it feels, it feels hopeless. Maybe there's something about yourself, you keep letting people down and you want to change that and yet you keep finding yourself in the same problem and it makes you feel sad, it makes you feel blue. I don't know what you might be dealing with today, but I can tell you this. If you're facing sadness, if you're facing depression this Christmas, I've got an answer for you. And the answer is, you need to have a blue Christmas. Now, you're probably looking at me going, wait, what? You just talked about how having a blue Christmas is not good. But, but here's the thing. I'm not talking to you about the color blue from the perspective of the world. I want to talk to you today about the color blue from the perspective of the Bible and from God. Because see, blue is redeemed in the word of God. In fact, the word blue is, comes from the Hebrew. There's a Hebrew word for blue. It's the word tekeleth. And that word tekeleth means God and his promises. So when blue was supposed to be a reminder to people in scripture of God and his promises. And one of the things that 
was kind of in, in, the, in the culture of the Jewish people was this idea that, that the sky is blue. And the sky is a picture of God. That when you look at the sky, you see this, this thing that's without measure, right? Something that you can't measure. It's vast. It's big. It's beyond the ability for you to comprehend. And that's who God can be in your life. Someone who's big and without measure. His promises have no end. And that's who he can be. And that's how we're to see that color blue. And so God did something really neat too. With the children of Israel early in, in, in the time when he was freeing them from Egyptian slavery and, and kind of moving them towards the, this life he wanted them to have, he gave them a reminder beyond just the sky that they could hold in their hand, that they could touch. If you have your Bible, Numbers chapter 15, look at this with me. This is, this is really interesting. In Numbers chapter 15, God gave them an a article of clothing that they could wear that would remind them of this color blue, which would remind them of the promises of God. Okay, Numbers chapter 15, verse 38 says this. Throughout the generations to come, you are to make tassels on the corners of your garments. Now look at this, with a blue cord on each tassel. Okay, so let me explain what was happening here. Uh, what would happen after this day is, is Hebrew people, especially Hebrew men, would have this garment called a tallit. And on the tallit, it was, like a, it was like a prayer shawl, kind of like a poncho is how you wore it. And on it, there were four corners on this tallit. And on each one of those corners was this, this thing called a zitzit. And a zitzit was a little tassel that hung from it that was knotted and had these different cords in it. And in it, there was a, there was a cord of, there was blue cords woven into the zitzit. I actually have a picture for you. Casey, you got that for me? This is what it looked like. And so you would have on this, this prayer shawl and you would wear this and walk around and in it you would have these, these tassels that were in front of you and behind you that you could take up in your hands and it would remind you of the promises of God. In fact, the, the Hebrew people used to call these, these tassels, they called them the forget-me-nots because they were these knotted tassels that were to remind you of the promises of God and of the faithfulness of God and who God is in your life. Now hold on to that, okay? And, and, and if you got your Bible, go to Mark chapter 5. We're going to look at a story that will, that will feed into this in just a moment. Okay, Mark chapter 5. This is a story of a, a lady that had an issue called the issue of blood. Maybe some of you have heard this story before. But this story speaks to this idea of who God can be in your life. And so let's, let's start reading here, verse 25, Mark chapter 5. It says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, And had suffered many things, look at this, look at how this is worded, from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So let me me break this down for you a little bit so you can understand the dire situation that this lady finds herself in. So for 12 years she's had this, this issue of blood and she has a hemorrhage of blood in her body that causes her to constantly be losing blood. Now, if you lose blood, it affects you in, in a lot of different ways. Now, I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor. I can't speak to everything, but I know this. If you don't have enough blood, you get weak. If you don't have enough blood, your blood holds some of your oxygen for your body. You get shortness of breath. So this lady has a hard time getting around. She's weak because she doesn't have enough strength in her blood. Life is in the blood. That's why Jesus gave his life, and his blood is so precious to us. And she has less life in her because she has less blood in her. She can't breathe. It's hard for her to get around. It's hard for her to move. Now it also says, notice it says she suffered many things from many physicians. What that speaks to is what it goes on to say there. She'd spent all that she had and was no better. 
So financially, she's in a terrible situation. She spent all her money. Now she doesn't have enough money. And because she doesn't have enough money, now she can't really take care of herself properly. She can't feed herself properly, which also feeds more of this problem she's having where she can't get the proper nutrition. So she grows weaker and weaker and weaker. Now beyond that, because of her problem, culturally, she was looked down upon. Because of the culture of the day, she was actually considered unclean. And if you were unclean in scripture, it meant you couldn't be around everybody. When she had to walk around, she literally had to walk around saying, unclean, unclean, so that people who saw her could get away from her because they didn't know what was wrong with her and nobody wanted to get this. So she's an outcast. Now think about this. We don't, we don't know the whole story of this lady's life, but, but just consider what, what this could have led to. You know, maybe she was married. Maybe she had kids and this came upon her. And now since she's unclean, she has to leave them behind. She can't be with her family anymore. Even if she's not married and has kids, she probably had parents, brothers and sisters, something, and, but she's had to be separated. And now she has to live among those who are sick and dying all the time. And that's all she can do. And she has to declare to the world all the time that she's not as good as everybody else. <laughs> if anybody's got reason to feel sad, to feel down, to feel depressed, it's this lady. But she hears one day about this guy named Jesus who's walking around and he's doing miracles and people are being healed and people are being set free. And this guy says stuff like no one's ever said it before. And she finds faith in Jesus. Look at what it says here in verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and look at this, touched his garment For she said, notice she said, she spoke, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. So she gets it in her head. If I can just, if I can just touch Jesus, if I I don't even have to touch his skin, if I just touch his garment, I can be made well. She got that in her head. And here's how she got it in her head, because she said it with her mouth. She started speaking it. She found faith in that. And so she believed it. And so she went after Jesus. Now look at what it says next in verse 28. She touches Jesus' garment, verse 28. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. So this lady reaches out, she touches Jesus and in that moment when she touches him, she receives her healing. Now look at this, this is amazing what happens next. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you? And you say, who touched me? His disciples were amazed by this question because here's the thing. Jesus is walking around with this group. And I mean, it's like, you know, you ever been to a concert or or really a venue, maybe a sports game or something, and you're walking and you're just bumping up against everybody. There's just no way around it. This is what Jesus is dealing with. As he's walking around, there's this crowd of people around him and there's all sorts of people coming in contact with him and touching him. but, But something about this lady's touch makes Jesus notice something. It's it's a different touch because he felt the power go out of his body. And here's what Jesus realized. Jesus knew knew what it would take in order for that to happen. And so he wanted to know, who touched me with that kind of touch? I know there's a lot of people coming in contact with me, but somebody touched me and they received from me. And I know what kind of touch that takes. Who was that? Look at what it says here. Verse 32. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Why was she fearing and trembling? 
Because remember, she was considered unclean. And she just touched someone who was clean. And beyond that, she touched a rabbi. This was not okay. She just defiled him in her own eyes. And now she's worried. She doesn't know how Jesus is going to respond to this. She doesn't know if Jesus is going to look at her and and take back the healing. She doesn't know if he's going to gripe her out and mock her in front of everybody. She has no idea. But look at how Jesus responds. Verse 34. And he said to her, daughter. Notice how he addresses her as a child, as his child. Daughter. Look at this. Your faith. Everybody say faith. faith. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Notice Jesus didn't say, daughter, I healed you. Go in peace. Daughter, God healed you. Now you can go. He said, daughter, your faith has made you whole, has made you healed. Go in peace. What did this lady lack in her life? Peace. She's received the healing and she's received peace from Jesus. There was a lot of people that day that were coming in contact with Jesus. A lot of people were brushing up against him. But what was different about this lady's touch from all of their others was that her touch was a deliberate touch of faith. She was reaching out intentionally to touch Jesus. She said, she said, we read earlier, she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She was planning this touch. She was thinking about this touch. She was speaking about this touch. She believed if I can just touch Jesus, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just come in contact with him, I know that I can receive everything that I need from him. Now, back to the color blue. Bible scholars tell us that when she actually reached out to touch Jesus that day, what she touched were the blue zitzits that were hanging from his prayer shawl. What she reached out and touched that day was his forget-me-nots that were reminders of God and the bigness of God and the promises of God. And what we see in this is this beautiful illustration that Jesus made a way so that we, through him, could touch God and receive from God whatever we need. You see, that's what Jesus came to do, my friends. Jesus came to make a way. God was unapproachable. We were defiled. We were a mess. We couldn't touch God. And a baby was born and came to this world and made it possible. So through him, we could reach out in faith and have faith in the promises of God, not by our own works, but by the works of Jesus. And we could reach out in faith and touch God and touch Jesus and receive from him Everything we need. I don't know what you may be dealing with today, but I want you to know something today. God is really good at tag. He's really good at tag. When I was a kid, I used to love to play tag. Anybody used to love to play tag when you were a little kid? Man, I used to love to play tag. And tag is one of these games. It's like a coming of age game for pretty much every generation. I don't know when it started, but it has been passed down and passed down and passed down. I played tag as a kid. I'm sure my dad played tag in the playground when he was a kid. My grandpas probably played tag when they were kids. My kids play tag now. It's just something that happens because it's a really easy game. You don't need a ball. You don't need a court. There's not a ton of rules. You can play it anywhere. And you know, how, here's how it works. I'm it. I tag you. You're it, right? And you can do this in the car. It's dangerous. 
but you can do it in the car. Me and my sister used to do it. And it would turn into a game of slap, but it was still fun. But that's, that's kind of the rules, you know, you tag somebody in there. But there is one other rule that we used to abide by that maybe you guys did too. And it was the rule of no tag backs, right? Because if you don't have the rule of tag, no tag backs, then you could go up and tag somebody and they just immediately tag you right back. So it's like tag, 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 tag. No, you can't get away from it. Especially if their arms are longer than you or they're faster than you. And, and then if that's the case, you're just it all the time. And nobody wants to be it all the time, right? But I want you to know something today. Because of Jesus, you're it all the time. You are always it. Because what Jesus did when he came to this earth and he died on the cross is he tagged you and he said, you're it. And he made it possible where now we can just reach up and touch him in faith because God is touchable through Jesus and we can receive from him whatever it is that we need. Because you see, God's really good at tag. And he doesn't play by the rules of no tag backs. Sorry, he just won't do it. If you touch God, he's going to touch you back every time. He'll always do it. And he can touch you wherever you may be. It doesn't matter. The Bible says this in Isaiah 59 verse 1. It says, the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. I don't know where you may be today. I don't know what kind of darkness you may find yourself in. I don't know how hopeless it may be. But God can reach you right where you are. If you'll just reach for him and reach for the promises of God, he'll reach you and he'll touch you. And when he touches you, he gives you everything, everything you could possibly need. That's why Jesus came. 2,000 plus years ago, God initiated the greatest game of tag in all of human history. The Bible says in John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave. In other words, he tagged us with his only son. God gave Jesus that first Christmas. That, gave, that, that little baby that was born, what we remember is he was born and he grew up and he lived a perfect life and he died a perfect death. He sacrificed his life for us. He gave his life up so that we could be saved. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he declared to this world, you're it. And now all we have to do is reach out and touch him. The ball is totally in our court. Will we be willing to reach out and touch him? Jesus made God touchable. So you don't have to be sad this Christmas because the author of perfect joy, perfect peace, perfect everything is now touchable through Jesus Christ. Isn't this good? Isn't that good? You can touch God. You can receive from God when you touch him. The color blue may normally be associated with sadness and depression and heartache and hurt and all that junk, but we don't live like the world does. Blue reminds us of God and his promises. It reminds us that we can now access God and his promises because of Jesus. So the answer for you today, if, you're, if you find yourself in a place where you feel sad this Christmas, you feel down, you feel hurt, the answer for you is to have a blue Christmas. Is to have a Christmas with Jesus and God and the promises of God at the center of your Christmas. To allow him to be right in the middle of whatever mess you have. My, my hope for you is that you would have a blue Christmas. I, I wish you a blue Christmas this year. Not in the world sense, but in God's sense. I wish that in the middle of whatever you're dealing with, that you would have the faith to reach out to God. You know, Christmas is an interesting time of the year because it's this holiday that's built around Jesus, right? And yet I think if we're not careful, it's really easy 
because of all the stuff to just kind of go through the motions. And here's what happens. We end up being like a lot of those people that were in the crowd. They were close. They were around Jesus. They were bumping up against him. They were making contact, but they weren't receiving anything because they weren't intentional. They weren't intentionally reaching out in faith and touching him. And that's the key. We can go through Christmas, this holiday season, and do all the stuff, but if we're not intentionally setting our hearts and setting our minds to say, God, I'm gonna touch you because I know everything I need is found in you. If we don't do that, then we're not gonna receive. I'm gonna invite the band to come up at this time. And as I close out today, I I wanna get real practical with you. I I just thought of a few things this week to kind of help you to kind of make this idea come to life in your life, to make Christmas be something that you intentionally pursue God and pursue the presence of God and pursue making contact with Jesus through, making contact with God through. So I came up with six things, and some of these work good for your kids, some of these work good for you. Uh, These may spark some other ideas for you, but here's just some things I come up with. Number one, set aside a special time to read the Christmas story. This Christmas season, set aside a special time. You know, I think one of the biggest mistakes we can make at Christmas is getting, thinking we're too familiar with the story. You know, we, maybe you grew up and you, you've heard the Christmas story hundreds of times and you played, you know, a shepherd in the play as a kid and, and you, I mean, you know it backwards and forwards and you, you feel like you know it. And so sometimes I think we find ourselves going, well, you know, I kind of know that. I'll skip that part of my Bible reading. What I found, though, is if I'll just intentionally say, God, would you reveal to me more of who you are through this? That God helps it to just come alive to me. So I, I want to encourage you, go, go read, read the story in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read through it and just let, ask the Lord to speak to you through it and reveal it to you in a greater way than ever before. If you have kids, read it and, and, and come up with a way to explain it to them. I love that I used to do children's ministry. One of the things I loved about children's ministry is it forced me to think things through at the most simplest form because I would have to go, how do I make this come alive to a kid? In the process of doing that, a lot of times it came alive to me. And so think through that. How would I explain this to a kid if I had to tell a little kid about Jesus? How would I explain this to him? Read it through like that. Number two, set up a nativity scene somewhere in your house. Maybe a nativity scene, it may be just some kind of symbol in your home that that shows that this is not just about an elf on a shelf or frosty or a reindeer. Listen, I'm not saying that stuff is bad. I'm just saying, is there anything in your home that points you, that points your family to this being about Jesus? We have a couple of nativities in our house. One is one that Sarah's had that's been kind of passed down in her family. That's that's nicer and older. And then we have another one that's like a little play set that the kids can actually play with and we can sit down with our littlest one, Sonny, and we can show her all the little, the little people and the camels and all the little wise men and stuff. And we can talk to her about how we get the little baby Jesus and, and hold him and say, oh, we love Jesus. We kiss Jesus. We're so happy Jesus came. If you have little kids, make sure they know we're so happy Jesus came. Make it come alive to them. Number three, rent a movie that helps you with this. I'll, and I'll give you a great one, The Nativity Story. If you've ever seen that movie, that's a great movie to watch that helps us, and not everything is perfectly, you know, I'm not gonna say that, but it does, it reminds you of what this is all about. And there's a scene in that movie that I really love. It's towards the end of it. It's after Jesus has been born in the manger and Mary is, is holding baby Jesus and the wise men, they walk up and they see the baby and they walk up to the baby and it's the Messiah. 
And, and you see one of the wise men going over and he's about to touch the baby and then he pulls his hand away because he, you know, it's not cool to touch somebody's newborn baby, right? Even, they even knew that back in Bible times, I guess. So he, he kind of pulls his hand back and, and Mary actually takes him, the baby, baby Jesus, and she holds him up and she says, he is for all mankind. Again, pointing to Jesus came to make God touchable. He's for all mankind. We can all touch Jesus. So watch a movie like that. Um, number four, take communion as a family. Take communion as a family. You're, maybe you're going, well, communion, what does that have to do with Christmas? Everything. <laughs> you know, if Jesus just came and was born and that was it, there's nothing in it for me and you. The reason Jesus came is to give his life up. He was born with the destiny of death. And that death is what sets us free from, from hell. And so communion reminds us that this baby came and he shed his blood and he, his body was broken. And so we as a family, we'll take communion. We'll take those little, and let, let me just say this too. You don't have to go buy, like go to Mardell's and buy communion elements. You can take this with bread, with crackers, whatever you have. We've taken communion, I think, with Dr. Pepper before in our house. I, I think that's okay. Yeah. But, but you just take that with your kids and, you, and with your family, with your, by yourself if it's just you. And just worship God and take, take that, that cracker and crush it between your teeth. And remember that, that the body of Jesus that was born, that was this little baby, was born. And one day it was broken so that we could be fixed we drink that juice and we remember that the blood of Jesus was shed so that we could have life. Life is in the blood. If you don't have blood, you don't have life. Jesus gave his very life so that we could have life. And because of him, we can be born again. We can receive his blood into our life and be saved and set free. Number five, take, bake a Jesus birthday cake and sing happy birthday to Jesus. Now, if you're you know, a single 30-year-old, that might be a little weird for you, but, but we do this at Christmas. Every Christmas, at the end of the day, uh, we, we open all our presents. We, we, we actually, I, I didn't say this earlier, but one of the things we do in our home is we, before we open any presents, my dad, who, like I said, is the patriarch of our family, he reads the Christmas story to the whole family. He wears a suit and he does that because he wants the family to see. He wants our little kids to see. This is something that we value. We don't just wear our jammies. We're, I'm dressing up. I value this. This is important to me. And so he shares the story and then we kind of talk about that a little bit. But at the end of the night, we, we bake, my mom bakes this chocolate cake. We put candles in it. We turn off the lights. We sing happy birthday to Jesus. And we just take a moment to remember Jesus on Christmas. And we touch him that way. And number six, this is the last thing. And there's more, but these are just a few. But number six, spend some time worshiping. Spend some time worshiping. One of the greatest ways that you can touch Jesus at Christmas is through worship. And I know sometimes it's hard, especially if you're sad, especially if you're blue in the world sense. Feeling down, feeling hurt, feeling lost. It's hard to, to lift your hands and sing a song and worship God. But you know what? It was hard for that lady with the issue of blood to get through that crowd. She was weak. She couldn't breathe. She had to fight her way through that crowd. But she did it because she had faith that if she could touch Jesus, she could receive a touch from God. And I want you to know something. When you worship, let me just tell you this. When you worship when it's hard, that's the best worship you can give to God. That's a sacrifice of praise that takes faith. And when you do that, that's the kind of faith that God, realize this, that's the kind of faith that Jesus, it stopped him in his tracks and he said, who touched me? 
A lot of people were bumping up against him, but when someone touched him with faith, it stopped him in his tracks. And when you do that, that's exactly what God does. He stops, he looks at you, and he says, here you go. Here's what you need. And so you may be hurting today, but listen, Jesus is here for you. And God is available to you through Jesus. And you can reach out and touch him. Forget me not, Jesus, this Christmas. Don't forget about him. Don't forget about the promises of God that are made available to you through Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? As I was praying about this this week, I felt like there's probably gonna be people here that in this point in the service, maybe you feel a little unclean. Maybe you feel like this lady in this story, like you're unclean and you feel like you can't go to God because you feel like your touch is, would defile him because you're too much of a mess and you're too dirty and you're too ugly and you made too many mistakes and you messed up too many times and how could God love you? But let me just tell you something. Jesus isn't gonna turn to you today if you turn to him and say, how dare you touch me? He's gonna say to you what he said to that woman that day. He's gonna say, daughter or son, your faith has made you whole. You cannot defile Jesus with your sin. Jesus already willingly on the cross defeated sin and was defiled like no one else. But he defeated it all and made a way. And all he offers you now is righteousness and peace and love and joy. God wants you whole, spirit, soul, and body. That's what he wants for you. So today, let's reach out and touch him. I wanna invite our altar ministry team to come forward at this time. If you're here today and you have any need of prayer in your life, uh, maybe, maybe you are dealing with something that has given you real reason to feel a little blue, to feel a little sad. We've got people here that would love to pray with you, love to partner with you in faith and just believe over you for whatever it is you may be facing today. Maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You've never asked him to come and to cleanse you from your sin. If that's you today, I wanna to invite you to, to come forward and, and let one of these guys know. What, whatever you may be dealing with today, just know this, Jesus is just waiting for a touch from you. And so if you have any need of prayer, just feel free to come forward here in a moment. But if not, maybe you're, you're doing all right, but maybe you just wanna make a declaration of faith this morning. What we're gonna do here is we're gonna kinda go into a quiet worship song when the altar will be open for those of you. But for the rest of you, here's what I would encourage you to do is to take this moment right here and reach out in faith and touch Jesus. Wherever you may need, just reach out and worship God right now. Reach out, worship through tears, worship through pain, worship through whatever. Reach out and touch God and let him touch you back this morning. Would you stand with me? Lord, we thank you for Jesus. God, we're so grateful that he came to this earth and he made it possible for a defiled human race to have access to a perfect God, to have access to the promises of God, to have access to the peace of God, to have access to whatever we need. Jesus made the way, he made it possible. We thank you for that this morning, Lord. We thank you that we can touch you today and we can receive. So I pray today that as we worship, as people come forward to the altar, that wherever people have need today, Lord, I pray that you would minister to them right where they are, that your arm, your long arm would reach them right where they are and minister healing and peace and joy and and overwhelm them with your goodness. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.